0: Exodus chapter 40 and verse 1, number of years ago, God began to deal with my heart. His spirit began to convict me of sin, and I, I realized that I was lost. Uh, I began to uh, struggle because, on the one hand, people at church viewed me as a believer. Uh, I had gone through the motions of making a decision, but really my heart uh, wasn't God's. Uh, and so I had this this conflict: do, do I do I make a public decision, uh, or do I continue on with this illusion? And I was living two different lifestyles. I, ha- I had one lifestyle at church, and then I had another lifestyle uh, out when I was at school, and, and the way I acted, and so forth. And so finally, I came to the point where I surrendered my heart to Christ, and I received his forgiveness. And it was amazing. The difference God uh, brought to my heart because I was carrying all this guilt. I knew what I was doing and how I was living was wrong, but uh, I had all this guilt and and I had this emptiness in my heart. And God came when I surrendered my heart to Him and trusted Jesus to save me. He came into my heart and He took away my guilt, He washed away my sin, and He came to live within me. And Somehow, the emptiness that had been there was now gone, and I had his presence within my heart. Uh, What an amazing blessing the presence of God has been to me. Uh, He has been there with me through tough times. He's been there with me through good times. Um, We need the presence of God as his people. We need his presence uh, when we go through times of difficulty. We need His presence because the Bible says that it is through Him and through His sacrifice that we're forgiven. Uh, We need His presence so that we can pray about our family situations and and so we can pray about the things that are going on at work. Uh, We need His presence to comfort us and to lift us up and to strengthen us for the tasks that we need uh, to do. In every area of life, we need God. And so... um, Moses, here in this scripture, uh, is describing how the presence of God came to the people of Israel. Now, uh, of course, today it's a little different the way we do it, but uh, these things that Moses did uh, were pictures of what would later come through Jesus Christ. And so, as Moses does these things, it was a really remarkable time in the history of Israel because. No other nation had ever had a God that came to live in the middle of, of his people. Every other God was distant, uh, was separated from his people. But God came uh, when Moses built the tabernacle and God instructed him how to do it and offered the sacrifices and the presence of God fell upon the tabernacle and God actually lived in the middle of his people. And now, for the first time in all of history, God's people had access to God. Now, it was limited access, but they had access to God. No other people in the history of the world had had that. And so, Moses in this scripture is is describing how he completed the tabernacle and set up the tabernacle and, and all the things that he did, and then how the glory of God fell upon the tabernacle. And we're going to talk about several blessings that come through the presence of God that I believe we can see in this text of Scripture. Uh, we need to receive God's blessings from His presence today. Uh, some of you here today may not know Jesus Christ. If so, uh, you need to make a decision today to turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus to receive His forgiveness. Um, that will be your first step of of having his presence in your life if you're a believer you will need to confess your sin that was represented by the labor uh the 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 bowl for washing in the tabernacle you need to confess your sin to god and he will restore your fellowship with him Uh, you need to be filled with the spirit of god and surrender to him and trusting him in your daily walk and you will live in his presence Uh, But this is a choice that each of us must make. And as we make it, we receive the benefits of it. What a great, great blessing. Uh, So the title of my message is The Blessings of God's Presence. And I want to read this scripture. And we're going to go ahead and read through the scripture. But then I'm going to just focus on a couple of of verses here and there. Look with me at uh, Exodus 40, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses. You are to set up a tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Put the Ark of the Testimony there and screen off the Ark with a veil. Then bring in the table and lay out its arrangement. Also bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the golden altar for incense in front of the Ark of the Testimony. Put up the screen for the entrance of the tabernacle. Position the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Assemble the surrounding courtyard and hang the screen for the gate of the courtyard. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it along with all the furnishings so that it will be holy. Anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils. Consecrate the altar so that it will be especially holy. Anoint the basin and the stand and consecrate it. Then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Clothe Aaron with the holy garments and anoint him. Consecrate him so that he can serve me as priest. And then skip down uh, to verse 22. It says, Moses placed the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil. He arranged the bread on it before the Lord just as the Lord had commanded him. He also put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle. And set up the lamps before him just as the Lord ...had commanded him. Uh, Moses also installed the golden altar of the tent of meeting in front of the veil... ...and burned fragrant incense on it, just as the Lord had commanded him. He put up the screen at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then he placed the altar of burnt offering at the t- entrance of the tent uh, of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting... ...and offered the burnt offering and the grain offering on it, just as the Lord had commanded. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing... Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and feet from it. They washed whenever they came to the tent of meeting and approached the altar, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses set up the surrounding courtyard for the tabernacle and the altar and hung a screen for the gate of the courtyard. So Moses finished the work. The cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was unable to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud rested on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The Israelites set out whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle throughout all the stages of their journey. If the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and there was fire inside the cloud by night, visible to the entire house of Israel throughout all the stages. Of their journey, the blessings of God's presence. So uh, Moses has had his his artisans uh, make the tabernacle, uh, make all of its furnishings, and now Moses uh, takes this this Ark of the Covenant and he puts it into the tabernacle that has been set up. He puts the table in its place and the lampstand in its place. But there's no glory that comes down. Then he puts the incense altar there. Then he goes outside the tabernacle into the courtyard. And he puts the altar of burnt offering there. And he puts the the laver or the basin where the water was. And then he he established all of the, the courtyard curtains that hung around the courtyard. And still no glory came. And then finally Moses finished. And the glory of Almighty God came. It was unlike anything that you and I have ever seen. It was, matter of fact, was so great that Moses couldn't even enter the tent. If you remember, just uh, Moses would commune with God outside the camp, and he would be there where the cloud of God's presence was. But at this point, when God's presence comes down, the glory of the Lord so filled the tabernacle that no one could enter it, not even Moses. God had come to inhabit Uh, the tabernacle and live among his people i want you to see four blessings that god brings us through his presence because that's what the tabernacle is all about the tabernacle is a picture of two things it was a picture of jesus christ and his work on the cross it was also a picture of you and i you see we have a temporary tabernacle a tent uh second corinthians 5 says we have a tent if this tent is destroyed we have a building from god an eternal house in heaven not made with hands god will one day give us a glorified body right now we're in a temporary tent this body that we have aren't you glad some of you got aches and pains and one day it's going to be gone you have a new body but you see this this picture this tent is a picture of you and me as well and how God ministers to us, and we come into god 's presence through the blood of jesus so uh, when the when the sacrifice was made, the people would enter enter into the to the courtyard there and, and they'd bring their offering, and the offering would be offered, and they were uh, their sin was taken care of, and they could communicate and have fellowship with god now in in this tabernacle, you see four blessings that God brings through his presence. the first one is forgiveness forgiveness verse 3 says put the ark of the testimony there now what was the ark the ark was a, a piece of furniture it had the ten commandments in it the two tablets the rod of Aaron that budded and a jar full of manna uh, it was a picture of the throne of God uh, who reigns above the cherubim and it, once a year the high priest would put the blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says that Jesus is our mercy seat. Jesus is our propitiation. That's what the fancy word that just means, he took our wrath for us. Uh, And the Ark of the Covenant is a picture of that one time for all mankind, for all time, sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us as our high priest so that we could be forgiven and have a relationship with God. Uh, the altar of burnt offering was where the sacrifice was offered. And that's talked about in verse 6. And the blood from the, the sin offering that was also offered on the burn offering altar of burnt offering uh, was taken and placed uh, on the Ark of the Covenant. So it's a picture of our forgiveness. The New Testament says this about us when we uh, come to that place because Jesus died for our sin and rose again. The Bible says we can be forgiven and the Bible says that when we put our trust in Jesus Christ and surrender our heart to him the Bible says that uh, God cleanses us from all sin he takes his divine brillo pad and rubs it all over our soul and cleanses us so that now we're clean that's forgiveness He grants us forgiveness from the penalty that we deserve. Uh, Adam and Eve ate of the fruit in the garden and were cast out of the garden. And it's a picture of how each and every one of us, when we sin against God, no matter how big or small that sin may seem in our own eyes, it has the same effect. It separates us from God. God is a just God. He's a holy God. And so only through... Uh, The satisfaction of God's justice could we ever have a relationship with God and only through his Satisfaction of his wrath and his justice could we be forgiven and So Jesus Christ came to be born of a virgin girl named Mary lived a perfect life and he was God He was the eternal God the son uh, who lived in eternity past But he came to be born of a virgin girl lived a perfect life and never committed one sin and died on the cross as our substitute to take the penalty for every sin that you and I would ever commit. And he said these three words: it is finished. The price has been completely paid. Paid in full. It was actually the word they would write at the bottom of a debt note. That had been paid in full. Same word Jesus used. He said, it is finished for all time. Every sin Roger Pugh has ever committed has been placed under my blood. It has been fully paid for. It's been taken care of. God's justice is satisfied. God's wrath is satisfied. It is done forever. It is gone. And Roger is forgiven. And whoever puts their trust in Christ is forgiven. What a blessing God has brought us through His Son, Jesus Christ. He is our sacrifice that brings us into fellowship with God. The Bible says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we've been acquitted in God's court. That's what justify means. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God and access to His presence, access into this grace in which we now stand. Did you know when you put your trust in Christ, you forever after stand in the grace of God? Isn't that a beautiful thought? I once was a stranger. I once was God's enemy. I was outside of God's presence. But through the blood of Jesus, I have been reconciled to God. My sin has been forgiven. And now I'm no longer going to hell. I'm going to heaven. I will have an eternal home in heaven with Jesus Christ, as will everyone who puts their trust in Christ. So it's a picture of forgiveness. Did you know God's plan has always been to bring forgiveness? Before God ever said, let there be light, God knew that you and I and that our ancestors, Adam and Eve, would fail, would sin, He knew that the curse would come in upon this world and that uh, we we would be in a desperate situation, separated from God. God knew that. But he said, I'm going to create them anyway because I love them and I want to have a relationship with them. And I'm going to send my own precious son and he will go willingly to pay the price for their sin. That's God's heart for you and for me. And that, that heart of, of desiring to make a way of forgiveness for us is shown here uh, in this tabernacle that Moses constructed. It's a picture of what Jesus came to do. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And one day, uh, he's coming back. He ascended to heaven. He's coming back. And we'll get all the rewards, not only of the forgiveness, but of all the, the joy and the blessings of being. A child of God, so that's the first blessing of God's presence, and we need to, we need to thank God for that forgiveness every day. You say, "Well, I, I'm not trying to be legalistic, you know." Oh, preacher, I can't remember that. Some of you who are obsessive compulsive, you say, like, oh, "I gotta pray for every day." No, no, just, but uh, it's it's uh, it's just something that ought to flow out of your heart. Don't get stressed out about it. Just give God praise for what He's done. Let God know that 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 you're you're grateful for his great blessing of forgiveness. Then share that message with other people. They need to hear the message of forgiveness. You remember what it was like to be lost? Um, people need to hear about Jesus. They need to know the joy of His presence. Share with other people about Jesus because he's given us a great blessing of forgiveness. That's the first blessing of God's presence, forgiveness. The second blessing, is anointing. Look with me, if you will, at verse 13. Clothe Aaron with the holy garments, anoint him, and consecrate him so he could serve me as priest. Before the priest could serve in the tabernacle, they had to be anointed. There was a special anointing oil that God told them how to make. Uh, and they were to pour this, an, this anointing oil over the head of Aaron and the other priests who were to serve in the tabernacle. And that oil was a picture of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Priests were anointed with oil. Kings were anointed with oil. If you remember David uh, calling Saul the Lord's anointed, uh, they were anointed with oil. It was a picture of the Holy Spirit of God coming upon a person so that they could accomplish a work. Now, this same anointing that we see here in the tabernacle of Aaron and the priests... Is meant to be a picture of what God's going to do for us. Did you know that God calls Israel in the Old Testament a kingdom of priests? Even though the priests were the only ones that could go into the tabernacle, God said there's another sense in which all of my people are priests. They are called to pray for others who don't know me, and minister to others and try to reach them and share the gospel with them. Well, the gospel would have been a little different in those days, but to share the gospel. And so they were, they were meant to be ministers. Well, in 1 Peter, you know what Peter says about the church? You are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness. Into his marvelous light, we have a priestly job. Jesus, when he left this earth, he was ascending to heaven. He said, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Jesus gave us a commission. He says, listen, you are to be my priests. You are to pray for others. You are to go and reach others with this message of the gospel and try to get people into relationship with me. That's your your mission, your goal. That's a tall order. Go into all the world. How are we going to do that? Acts chapter 2 tells us. The people were all gathered there. Jesus had told them to go and wait for the power from on high. And the Holy Spirit of God was given at Pentecost. Now, the Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament too, but this was different. Now the Holy Spirit was coming not just upon priests and prophets and special officials of, of the kingdom of Israel. Now the Holy Spirit of God was coming upon every single believer who would ever name the name of Christ and put their trust in him. The Holy Spirit of God came down at Pentecost. And the disciples were transformed. They were different. I mean, you had this group of, I mean, they were uh, fighting, trying to say, well, do you, Lord, do you let us sit at your right hand or your left, you know? And they were fighting about that. And and Peter, well, I, I won't deny you, Lord. And then he goes and denies him. All of them forsake him in the garden. And there's this, this sense of this weakness and this inability, and in the life of the disciples. But when you get to Pentecost, all that changes. Now, the Holy Spirit of God comes down upon his people in great power. And Peter stands forward and preaches a bold message about redemption through Jesus Christ. And he even says, you guys are the ones who put him to death. How would you like to be? <laughs> he, he said, you killed him. That's his message, yeah. And the Bible says, God just gave him this great boldness. Finally, many people were saved over 3,000 came to faith the first day. and uh, the Bible says that Peter and James, or excuse me, Peter and John were arrested, and they were taken before the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin, this whole body of, of Jewish elders who, who governed the nation of Israel. They're standing before them, and and these elders are saying, you better not preach anymore in his name. Now, this is after they've had a beating. And you know what they say? They stand up in in all boldness, and they say, you determine whether it's right for us to obey you rather than God. But we cannot help but preach this name. And they ended up letting them go. But I'm going to tell you something. when The Spirit of God comes upon your life. He will empower you for service. He will produce in you fruits uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control. God will give you a new character uh, of life through the power of His Holy Spirit. He will empower you for service. Um, Moses had a speech impediment. God said, Go, I want you to talk to Pharaoh. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way in your life? Lord, I just don't, I'm just i not up to this challenge. I just can't, can't do it. Uh, God supplies the power to do what he has called us to do through his Holy Spirit. God also comforts us through the Holy Spirit. He is our friend. The Bible calls him the paraclete or the comforter, the one who comes alongside us in difficult times and encourages us. That's the blessing of the anointing. It's a blessing of God's presence. So what should you do in response to this? Well, first of all, if you don't know Christ, uh, choose to turn from your sin and receive his forgiveness because uh, then you can have God's presence in your heart and your life and you can have his empowerment and so forth. If you already know Christ, you've already received Christ, then you need to make a choice to daily be filled with the Spirit. The Bible commands that for Christians. Be ye filled with the Spirit. Ongoing. What, so what do we do well first of all we need to keep our sins confessed if you determine to, to sin and you determine to persist in a sin in your life you quench the Holy Spirit of God in your life and uh, he's not going to be active he, he's a gentleman, he won't force himself on you uh, so, so you've got to confess that sin to restore your fellowship with God and then you need to ask for him to fill you and t- to, to be in control in your life surrender your heart to him and choose to follow him in simple trust. Uh, as you do that, he will live through you. So that when you serve him, he serves through you. So that when you worship, he worships through you. So that when he you pray, he prays through you. That's the secret to the Christian life, by the way. Just trying harder doesn't get it done. He needs to do it through you. So This blessing of the anointing is something that uh, we need to consider very precious. Later on uh, in the New Testament, Paul writes these words. He says, know you not that you are the temple of God? He's he's speaking to the church. And the Spirit of God dwells in you. Have you ever thought about that? You are a walking, living, breathing sanctuary if you're a child of God. Here, people, well, you know, don't cuss in church. Oh, well, I I would never do that in church. Did you know this building is not the sanctuary? You are the sanctuary. You carry that sanctuary with you wherever you go. If you can't do it in church, you shouldn't be doing it. Because you're you're the temple of God. Know you not that you are the temple of God. The Spirit of God lives in you, the anointing of God. You have the power of the resurrection in you. That's what Ephesians says. The same Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's the blessing of God's anointing. So God's the blessing of God's presence is first, forgiveness. Second, anointing. Third, fellowship. Fellowship. If you look in verse 2, he says the tent of meeting. You look in verse 22, the tent of meeting. You look in verse 42. Uh, Excuse me, 24, the tent of meeting. You look at verse 26, the tent of meeting. Uh, You look at verse 29, the tent of meeting. You look at verse 32, the tent of meeting. You think he may be trying to tell us something? God says, I want you to have fellowship with me. I want you to have a relationship with me. I want us... To talk together. That's what prayer is, by the way. You talking to God. And then you being quiet and listening. For his direction through his word. Or through his spirit. God says, I want a relationship with you. Now, it was remarkable that God would come and dwell with the Israelites. But you know what happened when Jesus said, it is finished? The veil in the temple. That later replaced the tabernacle. Was ripped in two from top to bottom. Jesus says, now because of what I've done, no longer are you having to stay outside the sanctuary. You can have direct access to my presence. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but you have the ear of the Almighty. If you're a child of God, you're His child. (laughs) Have you ever wished you had some powerful friend in some powerful place that you could call on for a favor? You do. His name is God, the Almighty, Yahweh, Jehovah, God. He is our God, and and He is in relationship with you and me. Now, we need to take advantage of this relationship. God's given us a very great blessing. Many people sit and their Bible gets dusty. Uh, they they don't spend time in prayer, they don't come to church, they don't, uh, so many things that, that they don't do to try to pursue that relationship with the Lord. They don't spend time with other believers uh, talking about their spiritual experiences, which is what we do in Sunday school. There's your plug. Why? Because for whatever reason, maybe they're distracted by the things of this life, um, too busy, or at least, in their own mind too busy usually we're not too busy to watch our favorite tv program but they neglect their relationship what a sad thing Uh, yes you're saved but you're not you're not receiving the benefit of the relationship that god wants you to have so uh as a child of god first of all uh you need to make sure your sins confessed to keep those those lines of communication open And then you need to take that effort day by day as a spiritual discipline. Sometimes I get really blessed when I read the Word of God. Other times it's hard. I'm just going to tell you, it's hard sometimes for me. But you make that choice each and every day to spend that time in God's Word. And, And you know what God says? This is a promise. He says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. God's promise. As you take that step of discipline in your life every single day to try to draw close to the Lord. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in His Word. God will draw near to you. As you try to keep your sins confessed, as you uh, try to to avoid evil in your life and try to do the things that God wants you to do, you're drawing near to the Lord. He says He will draw near to you. As you Fulfill the things that God asks you to do in your life. Uh, And and you you walk in obedience, even sometimes when it's a step of faith, you walk in obedience. You're drawing near to God, and He will draw near to you. One of the greatest ways to enter into relationship and fellowship with God is through worship. Worship. Uh, the psalm says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. It was a picture of what they did when they would c- climb up the hills to Jerusalem. And they would enter into his gates and they would actually have songs that they would sing. Songs of thanksgiving. And then they would enter into the courts of the temple uh, praising God. Uh, but it was a picture of how you and I can enter into God's presence. And one of the greatest ways to do that is through thanksgiving and praise. Thanking God for what He's done in your life and praising God for who He is. You enter in to fellowship. Now, if you don't know Christ, there is no relationship yet. Yes, the Holy Spirit of God uh, may work in your life and try to draw you to faith in Jesus, uh, but there is no relationship like there is when you're a child of God, so you've got to make that choice to turn from your sin and receive that forgiveness by faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, but as you do these things and you seek to draw near to the Lord, He will draw near to you, and you can have this fellowship. And uh, there is, there's something about walking with the Lord and being close to Him that just brings joy. Um, have, you ever, have you ever walked up on a group of people that were just kind of laughing, enjoying themselves, and having a good time? And I, I remember one time I was uh, going to the hospital down in Texas, and I walked into the foyer, and I hear these people laughing and all excited. Yeah, you know, and, and, uh, and I found out, I was kind of overhearing and uh, eavesdropping, uh, and uh, I began to listen to them, and they were talking about the Lord. And they were just enjoying that fellowship of being with each other as children of God. A- and they had this joy, and it was just, I thought, man, this is neat. Did you know that's the joy that God desires for you and me? And it goes beyond circumstances. It's not dependent on what happens in your life. Paul and Silas had that joy when they were in the jail. They'd just been beaten. Their backs were like hamburger from being beaten for preaching the gospel. And they were in a jail cell. And they began to sing and worship God. And God came down to that place and busted the jail doors open. I mean, it was an amazing thing. They had the joy of the Lord because they were in relationship with God. They had fellowship with Him. That is a great blessing that God has granted every child of God. Take advantage of it. Draw near to Him and He will draw near to you. So the blessing of forgiveness, the blessing of anointing, the blessing of fellowship, and finally, the blessing of leadership. Uh, The cloud covered the tent of meeting, but then the Bible says it would hover over the tent of meeting. Uh, verse 36 says, Israelites set out whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle throughout all the stages of their journey. So the tabernacle was in the middle of their camp, and the, the cloud in the daytime was you know, where God's presence, was, the glory of God was, was manifest there. And then at night it was a pillar of fire. Uh, but wherever they were, they could see this, this pillar. And, and from time to time that pillar would lift up from the tabernacle. And you know what they would do? They'd break camp. Let's get the tabernacle tore down, let's get all the tents tore down, pack up, let's go. And they followed the cloud, wherever the cloud took them. And that cloud, the New Testament tells us, was Jesus Christ. He was there veiled uh, within the cloud. How would you like to have somebody there to tell you what to do in each circumstance of life? Say, this is what you need to do. And that person was completely knowledgeable about everything. Complete knowledge, complete wisdom, perfect in power. That's what God is. And when you and I receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible says that God has given us His Word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God guides us through His Word. He also guides us through his Holy Spirit. Uh, The Apostle Paul was was, uh, planning on going somewhere. And the Spirit of God wouldn't let him go. The Bible says he said, you know, I I just don't feel peace about going this direction. And so he didn't go. And he had a dream about a a man from Macedonia saying, come here, we need you, come here. And and so uh, he wakes up the next morning. Uh, assured in his heart that the Holy Spirit was directing him to go to Macedonia, it was. And by the way, it was a special kind of dream. It just wasn't a dream, you know. It's, I've had some pretty bizarre dreams in my day and time, and you, I'm sure you have too. Uh, you don't just follow any dream, but this was a special dream, uh, and, and he sensed in this dream a special communication from God. You are to go to Macedonia, and so he went. And had a great ministry there in Macedonia. What? God was giving him direction in his life. God is your father. If you're a child of God, he is uh, the one who gives you direction in life. Who should I marry? Well, the Bible says you need to marry a believer. But the Holy Spirit of God can give you a piece about that. My dad proposed to my mom... And it was two weeks before she finally told him yes she prayed about it for two weeks god gave her peace about it mine was different i god gave me a peace before i even asked her she, she was kind of shocked She i don't think she knew quite what to think that's another story but uh god can give you direction about these decisions in your life um you know what should what where should i live what should i do these kinds of things in life and so um when you're making those major decisions in life take some time take a few days to pray about it and ask the holy spirit of god look in his word look for for guidance in his word um you can you can just about google anything put the bible and then put some topic and uh or or part of a scripture verse you think you remember from the bible <clears throat> you can google it and it'll pretty much bring it up i mean it's uh but look to the Bible. Uh, also, say, Lord, should I do this? And, ha- and, and ask God to give you a heart that is surrendered to do whatever he tells you to do. Because sometimes we've got our minds made up. Have you ever uh, you ever had somebody come to you to ask for advice and then they didn't follow it? Does that not make you mad? Uh, they come to advice and they don't, don't follow it. Why? Because they already had their mind made up. They, they weren't really interested in hearing what you had to say. They just wanted you to agree with them. They had already made up their minds, right? That's not the way you come to God for direction. You come to God for direction with a heart that is open to do whatever He asks you to do. And then you ask Him to give you a peace about His direction. Um, emotions change from day to day, but if you can pray over several days and consistently have God's peace in your heart, about his direction, uh, then, then that's, that's a good place to make a decision. So you've been given a great blessing. There are a lot of people out that don't have a clue where they're going. You, as a, as a child of God, you may not understand why you're in the situation you're in or why you're doing what you're doing, but you can at least know that God has a purpose, and God is leading you in your life. What a blessing that is. Did you know God never led them into a situation that wasn't right for them? Sometimes it seemed that way. You know what happened when they first left Egypt? They went right beside the Red Sea and they were, they were boxed in. Three sides were boxed in by water, and then there's the other side, there's the Egyptians coming on with all their chariots. God, what are you doing? Why did you leave me here? What's this all about? I thought you were leading us to the promised land, Lord. What did God do? The Bible says that the pillar of fire came behind the Israelites and protected them all night long, and a wind from God blew through the Red Sea, and the Israelites walked through on dry ground. God provided a great deliverance for them. Sometimes God's leadership may not make a whole lot of sense. Uh, Johnny, Johnny Hunt uh said that God's called Elijah to go to the brook and then the brook dried up. Sometimes those things happen in our lives, but guess what? God provided for Elijah there. God sent the ravens and then he sent him to the widow. You remember that? And God supplied his needs. But God will direct you in your life. So uh, what a great blessing to know that we have the God who understands everything, who can lead us in life. It's a great blessing of God's presence. What are the blessings of God's presence? His forgiveness, His anointing, His fellowship, and His leadership. Those blessings come to those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and for mine, paid the complete price, rose again the third day, and told anyone who desires to come, whosoever will, may come he said he said if you'll choose to turn from your sin by faith and to put your trust in me to forgive you i will do it i'm going to give you an opportunity here in just a moment to make that decision to say lord i am ready to turn from my sin i'm going to trust you to do that through me because i don't have the ability to do it myself but i'm trusting you to do that through me and i'm choosing.'" to follow you and obey you with my life. And I'm choosing to trust you to forgive me for my sin because of what Jesus did on the cross. Uh, You can pray a brief prayer like that. You actually can pray that anywhere. But Jesus often called people publicly. So I'm going to call you publicly today. I'm just going to ask you here in a moment when we begin to sing just to step down here to the front. I'll be standing here at the front. And you can understand firsthand what it means to have the blessing of forgiveness. In your life. Uh, If you already know Jesus Christ, I'm going to encourage you. Are you experiencing the blessing of his anointing, the blessing of his fellowship, the blessing of his leadership? Are you walking in close fellowship with God or are you away from him? Are you distant? I'm going to invite you to come to this altar and just tell the Lord in your own words Lord, uh, I confess my sin. I've been ignoring you with my life. I haven't been seeking you, but I'm choosing today to seek you. I'm choosing today to follow you. I'm choosing today, anew and a fresh, to make you the first priority of my life. I'm going to draw near to you so that you'll draw near to me. That's your heart. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come. Maybe you need to follow the Lord with a simple step of obedience like believer's baptism. Uh, maybe you need to, to join this church. God has, has given you the sense that this is where you're supposed to be. You sense that in your spirit, and you, you want to join this church as a believer. Uh, uh, I want to invite you to do that. But whatever God is calling you to do, I encourage you to respond with obedience. Draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. Let's stand. Father, we thank you so much for the greatness of your grace For the fact, Lord, that you would give us these blessings. It's an amazing thought, an amazing gift, God, that you've given us through Jesus. And I just want to thank you for it and praise you for it. And I also pray for those who are gathered here today, God. uh, Some who don't know Christ, who need to make a choice to give their heart to him and to receive his forgiveness. Uh, Others, Lord, who are away from God, they're believers, but they're away from God and they need to... To return.